0: Welcome to the Max Mooth Theater Performance Podcast, a podcast about theater beyond Broadway. This is our winter preview. Enjoy the show. Okay, the November and December preview. We're not going to do a separate December preview because, frankly, the past couple of years found that it's kind of challenging to come up with nine shows, three each person, that we're interested (laughs) in (laughs) seeing. There's just a lot of repeats and... Holiday fair that isn't really our genre, so we'll just do a, a double super size uh, recap. We'll have our massive year end show, yeah, as always. Yes, where again we'll probably not talk much about holiday themed theater. <laughs> but, no no Rockettes. No Christmas story.
1: That's Nutcracker. No Rouge. Elf.
2: It's Elf coming back? It always does, right? I don't know if it is Like or a not, whack-a-mole. But you
1: smack it down, it pops right back up. Exactly.
0: So today we're doing previews, and let's start with introductions. Liz. I'm Liz. I'm Fuck Yeah, Great Plays. Jose. I'm
2: Jose from Sage Buddy.
0: And I'm Lindsay from Maximu. Okay, Liz, why don't you kick us off? What are you looking oh, forward wow. to seeing in Woo! the next couple of months? <laughs> All right.
1: I'm going to start with Ride the Cyclone at MCC, which I've been pretty excited about, um, Full disclosure is that I know someone who was on the production staff when I was in Canada. And so it started off in Canada, it's been in Chicago, and now it's coming here. And it's a new musical by Brooke Maxwell and Jacob Richmond, and directed by Rachel Rockwell. And I'm interested in it because it's kind of like, it reminds me of, I've described it as both a really dark Putnam County spelling bee, or, Glee, But If Everyone Was Dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, a, you know, that's kind of my aesthetic. I love that. Um, sort of an Edward Gorey-ish, sort of twinged, weirdo musical. Uh, the description they give is great. So, the St. Cashin High School Chamber Choir boards the Cyclone Roller Coaster at 8.17 p.m. At 8.19, the front axle will break, sending them to their tragic demise. So you have this choir and they die and they get stuck in purgatory with a sort of, um, fortune telling machine, like in big, you know, Mm -hmm. and all the kids have to plead their case through song because one of them's going to get to live and the rest of them are going to go to hell. Um, so that's what they do. They all sort of are trying to ply each other to vote for them to live, including my favorite, uh, the Jane Doe, who is a girl who loses her head in the accident and no one knows who she is. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a really bizarre, <laughs> weirdo musical. Um, I've heard bits of it. Um, I've heard a lot about it. and it's just it's strange it's really strange but it sounds funny and kind of up my alley and i mean it's a stunt it's a weirdo i keep saying weirdo but it is it's it's a funny little quirky musical but i think it also has some things to say about you know the way we deify people who die tragically and sometimes people who die tragically are dicks Mm -hmm. end of story so yeah, I just feel like I keep hearing about this, and I've been hearing about it. it's been moving, making its way to New York slowly but surely, and now it's going to be here at MCC, and I am looking forward to seeing it.
0: Do you have dates and ticket costs?
1: No, none of those things. Uh, <laughs> I didn't write any of that down. Uh, sorry. Uh, when Jose goes, I'll look stuff up and see what I can figure out.
0: Okay, I know I it's I know like it's
1: like November December.
0: When Liz which is brings when a musical to a preview, we ought to pay attention.
1: To <laughs> That's true. It does take a lot for me to. Recommend a musical that I haven't seen, yeah.
0: So I had that was on like my outer periphery, but it's moved up my priority list because it sounds weird it sounds and awesome. I'm excited that you're excited about it, yeah. Cool, all right, Jose.
2: Okay, uh, Sidon so Foster doing sweet charity next show. <laughs> that's all we need to know, no, uh, I'm Winter. kidding, yeah. Like, that's it, like, oh my god, like, what else. What else What else can you ask for? Like, I don't even, like, I was, like, trying to type up what I wanted to say about the show, and I just kept typing son and fuster, son and fuster, son and fuster. <laughs> but anyway, it's the uh, 50th anniversary of Sweet Charity, which uh, was last done on Broadway a decade ago with Christina Applegate. And if you don't know the story, it's based on Federico Fellini's film uh, The Knights of Cabiria, which is about a hooker with a heart of gold, basically. But the show has some of the, oh, my God, the greatest, like, show tunes ever, like, ever, ever, ever. And Southern Foster is doing it, so I really don't know what
0: else to say. Well, I think the thing to say is, how does one go about getting tickets to this show? Because it is sold out and extended multiple, multiple times. So I would recommend the Today Tix Lottery. And that, it seems to be yeah. the most accessible. It's and something keeping your fingers crossed. Yeah, because having they, good luck.
2: They do keep like extending and extending. it. Because also like the, the the supporting cast I got. Because the new group's doing this, and the supporting cast I got is oh my god, is so like unbelievable. Yes. Like, and oh, another thing that I'm really excited about is that Lee Silverman's directing it. And I have this theory that I uh, it was not. not m- as much a theory as it was like wishful thinking that uh, I talked to the Silverman once and I was like okay so you've done Violet with Sutton Foster and then she also did The Wild Party and now they hadn't announced that they were doing Sweet Charity so I'm like are you secretly planning to do like a musical a feature decade in American history in the 20th century starring Sutton Foster and apparently it's coming true so yay
1: thanks for programming that okay? <laughs> I, yeah I try I like, try <laughs> that's like
2: my prayers and like every time like I blow my birthday candles I'm like so of fuster more musicals
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you watch Younger? oh yeah I love that show I love that show so much it's so great that's a TV show on
2: TV land -land. yeah
0: Yeah. A, a random TV network Okay, for some reason, all of my picks are British imports, <laughs> which is not usually uh, the role I play on the podcast, but this month it is. So I'm going to start with the extraordinary Daniel Kitson, who is coming back to St. Anne's with a show called Mouse, The Persistence of an Unlikely Thought. If you are a longtime listener, you know that we have been Literally covering Kitson from day one. I think our first episode ever was about Analog, the last show he had at St. Anne's. And it that show was really a departure from him. It was a technical show that involved a bunch of tape recorders. He actually didn't speak during it, which is totally counterintuitive. He didn't speak live during it, I should say. His recorded voice was coming out over the tape recorders. Um, totally counterintuitive because... Kitson is a stand-up comedian and a storyteller who is just so talented, so brilliant, very finicky, something of a prima donna diva. He none of the rules that apply to all the other performers apply to him in terms of like how he deals with promoting his shows, how he deals with his audience. He's just very persnickety person. But His shows are fantastic. Uh, My first experience with him was The Interminable Suicide of Gregory Church, which is also at St. Anne's. And it really, this is going to sound hyperbolic, but like it blew my mind. It was so good, and he is so engaging, and he tells the story. And his real talent is seemingly all these loose strands. He weaves them all together in this perfect bow in the end, and it's like magic. It's like he's a magic storyteller using nothing other than his own engaging personality and brilliance. So I really strongly recommend this show. I mean, I think we on the podcast strongly recommend Kitson every time he comes to town. Sometimes he comes for stand-up. This is my understanding, and I haven't seen it is a more traditional storytelling show of the kind he's done uh, in the past at St. Anne's. In addition to the one I mentioned, the Gregory Church one, he also did It's Always Right Now Until It's Later. And then last year he did a Christmas show at the Connolly Theater. So if you've seen any of those shows, I would say this sounds like it is in that similar vein. If you saw the analog show at St. Anne's, and if you didn't like it because it was somewhat controversial in terms of people not getting what they expected when they show up, I would recommend you give him another shot because I think this one is going to deliver. It was at the Edinburgh Fringe earlier this year and I did read some of those reviews and they were all raves. Everybody seems to really, really like the show, kind of a return to the original form for him. So if you've heard us talk about him in the past and always thought, oh, I'd like to check that out when he has the right show come to town, I think this might be
1: the right show.
0: And the tickets are only twenty five dollars, November 9th through the twenty seventh.
1: Yeah, I haven't actually seen any Daniel Kitts and stuff for all of y'all you got talk to about do it. it. He's so. fantastic. All right, all right. Next, okay. So I got ticket information now too, but let me tell you what happens when you Google Bushwick Furry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, uh, Furry La Furia, which is at the Bushwick Star, November seventeenth, nineteenth, twentieth, twenty first, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth. Oh, and the twentieth. It's so a couple of random days in there. So it's by William Burke and translated by Modesto Flaco Jimenez. So it is a they call it the Spanglish translation of this show that was at Jack in two thousand thirteen. It was in English then, so now they're bringing a little more Spanish into it. And it tells the story of a street Elmo who rises to power by taking over the streets. Rises to power and takes over forty second to forty sixth Street by using the art of war. And features a dirty Sesame Street army, <laughs> and that frankly was enough to sell me. I don't understand this, and I love it. It's those Elmos and those people in Times Square. The characters fascinate me. So the idea of a political uprising of costumed characters in Times Square is frightening and magical, <laughs> and I love. I, I have a good friend uh, who moved here from Columbia, and she has bothered me a few times about seeing more shows with her with Spanish. And I haven't quite found one that was interesting to me and to her and was Spanish and English. And I think this might be the one that we're going to go see. So, and it's like I said, it's been around. So it sounds like it's had a little bit of development. I'm always wary of new shows that I have that are coming out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I like to know that they had maybe a little bit of a production history. So, it sounds really fun. And also, I learned La Furia, which is the, the subtitle, was the nickname of uh, Abelardo Colombe Ibarra, who was the Cuban minister of the interior and a major communist, I believe. Uh, so <laughs> I imagine that figures into this show somewhere, too.
0: Yeah, that one sounds really funny.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: Cool. Jose?
2: Uh, one of the shows that I'm most excited about this season is Alligator at New uh, George. Not only because the plot sounds really, really awesome. Uh, well, I'll tell you about the plot first. It's about two orphaned twins who are living in Florida in the Everglades. And they work as alligator wrestlers at a local like roadside attraction. So the show's about all this weird adventures that they have. And it's giving me such like a Mark Twain vibe just from the, the plot description. But there's also a rock band on stage with them during the play. I don't know what the band's going to be doing, but it's Is it a cool. musical? It, it's like this, it sounds like a prestige of like so many different things. Cause it has like, like the fantastical elements of that. And then there's a rock band and then there's also like puppetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds pretty cool. But what makes me the most excited, actually, about this project is that it's going to be the first production by the Sol Project, which is this new initiative that's about creating a new canon of Hispanic and Latino plays in the United States. So one of their their missions is that first they're going to do a production in New York and of Broadway House, and then this production is guaranteed at least two productions in regional theatres, so that oh, means wow. that people next year probably uh, in two different theaters all over the country are going to get to see this show as well.
0: I love that idea so That's much. so great. This is something I harp on all the time. Why don't we take Off-Broadway Productions and tour them to other places in the United States? It makes total sense. You're saving so much money on development costs. I absolutely love that idea.
2: And there's more. <laughs> 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 no, there is more. uh one of the other pillars of this project is that everyone involved in the production is a person of color. From the cast to the director to the light people to the set designers, every single person working on these shows is a person of
1: color. That's so awesome. Yep. What so, is the name of this program again? I'm sorry. Uh,
2: the Soul Project. That's awesome. Yeah, so like, this is their first uh, production. It goes from November 27. It runs from November 27th through December 18th, and tickets are between $25 and $35. So, yay.
0: And the puppets are by Jessica Scott, who did Ship of Fools, that we talked about on the last episode. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yes. Oh, wow.
2: Even more recent to Yes, be excited. if you
0: haven't listened to that episode, check it out, because we did find the puppets in that production to be exceptional. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, oh, me next. Um, All right, so now I'm going to preview another British stand-up comedian slash storyteller coming to the (laughs) U.S. It is Josie Long with Something Better. She could not be more opposite from Daniel Kitson, and yet I believe they're actually friends. (laughs) So Josie is a very intelligent, very political comedian who is also extremely warm and giving and personal, I find that I've always left her shows feeling more informed about British politics and also extremely optimistic about the future of the world. (laughs) Um, And those two things are often in a lot of conflict. But she is just so fantastic. I just I don't know what is up with her like molecular structure that she can delve into really serious topics um, but also bring so much warmth and generosity and humor and lightness. I just love her. I wish she spent more time in the US because, I would like to just have her presence in our country more often. I think she brings with her a lot of greatness. So uh, this is more of a stand-up show, I think, than um, maybe a storytelling show. Something we wouldn't necessarily always highlight because we don't cover a ton of comedy. But she is so great that I think people who don't go to a lot of comedy but do enjoy theater would really enjoy her she's just fantastic so her show is at the barrel street theater the tickets are $30 and it's november 19th through december 3rd
1: yeah i actually discovered her via youtube Mm -hmm. a while ago and then forgot about it and then people started talking about her again and i I made that connection with oh josie lung is that person that i liked and so i'm excited to see i'm glad that she's coming here i'm excited have you ever seen her live no i've never seen her live she's the best i love her
0: for all of Kitson's like persnickety selfishness, she's just the polar opposite of that. <laughs> she's just like warmth and generosity, and yet they're so. It's funny that they're both coming over somewhat overlapping, and that we're previewing them in s- the same episode because, in many ways, you would think they're very similar, but in so many ways, they're very different. So, if I
1: like Josie Long, am I gonna like Daniel Kitson? You probably will.
0: Okay. I d- my. I find him to be extremely engaging on stage and I find his offstage antics to I've just kind of run out of patience with them. I I just find his like the rules don't apply to me, I'm a prima donna, I want everything just how I want it, which is just like what we behavior we consider to be typical of, you know, certain divas. I find it repellent in all of those characters, the divas and the divas in stand-up comedy as well. So I just am like kind of over it, but I'm still really, really excited that he's coming to town and that I get to see him
1: perform. Yeah, because when you described that, I was like, ah, that does not sound like a person I want to spend my time with. But... Yeah,
0: it doesn't come through on stage except um, he's very... Um, so he will call out audience members for doing things that we all find annoying amongst audience mm. members. So if somebody were to look at their phone, for example, he would stop and engage, um, which I actually really appreciate because that behavior is awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I gosh, I hope I didn't paint him in too negative a, a <laughs> light because he's really wonderful. I don't know. I think I've just developed a chip on my shoulder about him for some reason that's probably totally unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> moving, on.
1: moving on. All right. Uh, So, my next one is The Dead 1904, which is going to be at Irish Rep, or it's part of Irish Rep, and it's going to be with the American Irish Historical Society. And when is it? November 19th through January 7th, and it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be at the American Irish Historical Society, and I will say right now it is terribly expensive. It's a little more than I would choose to spend my theater uh, budget on its I think it's like maybe $300 a ticket uh, Whoa. but the reason I left it on my list is that Today ticks just announced they're going to do a lotto for tickets for $19.04 oh that's mm. great so that makes it reasonable that's why I'm previewing it here otherwise I would have said I'm
0: thrilled you're doing a $300 ticket because my next is a $100 ticket and I felt <laughs> <about
1: that>. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a much broader spectrum yeah, yeah, yeah. it's for all our, our big rollers high rollers big spenders here Oh, big spender, sweet charity. Yeah, brought it together. Really? All right. Bam, bam. Um, so, The Dead 1904 is, like I said, taking place at this historic house circa 1900. And it's an adaptation of James Joyce's The Dead, which is a short story from Dubliners, which is a much larger piece of work. And they only have 42 people each night, which is why it's $300. Mm. And you travel. The whole story takes place over three floors of this townhouse that was built in the 1900s. Uh, that's inspired by a description of this holiday party in that in the story of the dead. And it sounds very Christmassy. They serve a huge dinner. There's all sorts of performances, and you go through you know the parlor, the library, the dining room. There's carolers. It sounds very festive. And it also, to me, sounds a lot like Natasha Pierre back, back and back many productions ago where they took a tiny section of a classic, gigantic novel and just exploded it around you, and also there was food. And I really enjoyed that aspect of Natasha Pierre so much that I think I would really enjoy this. Um, also, Kate Burton is in it. She's starring... Um, I don't I'm not terribly familiar with her but I know many people are and yeah it just it sounds like a nice mix of a holiday show but not really a holiday show and immersive and exploring and also you're gonna get dinner and it's a little intimate I don't know it sounds exciting plus you're gonna go explore a really old house which I find really fun um, so, I'm just going to keep entering that Today Ticks lotto and <laughs> keep my fingers crossed, and maybe I will end up there.
0: Yeah, I think I have to get more intimately acquainted with the Today Tix lotto screen because
1: there are a lot of shows I'm interested in seeing. So many shows are starting to do the online uh, phone lotto, and as someone who can't always get to the theater, you know, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And oh, also when it's cold, it's yeah. snowing. Yeah. I mean, I regret telling you all about this lotto because everyone's <laughs> going to enter and I'm not going to be able to win. Um, but
2: Tell us what they are entering so no one yeah, else will There again. we go. I'm
1: just going to call Friday nights. So no one else can enter. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thanks, everyone. I appreciate it.
1: Cool. All right, Jose. Okay,
2: okay. I'll, I'll stay with the Irish rep. Uh, and...
0: um, so <laughs> what? <laughs> my my show Scottish. Okay. <laughs> it's all very, like, you know... British Empire. Yeah, I was going to wear my
2: Union Jack shirt today, actually, so <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I did. But uh, anyway, uh, this has nothing nothing to do with what the show's about, but I've always thought that leprechauns are really terrifying. Yeah, not because of the leprechaun movie, but because when I was growing up, there was this like really, really creepy Disney movie called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Do you remember that movie? Vaguely. Yeah, it was so terrifying. Anyway, the show that I want to talk about, an Irish rep, is... Finian's Rainbow, which, incidentally, (laughs) (laughs) which does does have a leprechaun. It does
1: have a leprechaun. Yeah, and
2: it's, like, terrifying. So my point was that when I was growing up, I was terrified of Finian's Rainbow as well. But anyway, now I'm not, and I'm very excited because last time Irish Rep did Finian's Rainbow was in 2004, and Melissa Erico played Sharon, and Melissa Erico's coming back to play Sharon right now. So uh, if you're not familiar with the story, Finian is this... Kind of douchebag of a dad who steals a leprechaun's pot of gold, and then just grabs his daughter Sharon, and they move to America, but they move with
1: the gold. With the gold, yeah. yeah.
2: Which they bear, well, which he buries like around Fort Knox because he thinks that it'll like grow into like trees of gold or whatever. So like the leprechauns like trying to find them and like destroy them or whatever. But they also move to like one of the most freaking intolerant places in all of like the world, right? So beyond like the beautiful music in the show. It's really interesting because it's a show that talks about, even if it has Africans, it's take on like immigration and intolerance. And even if like the Irish people were white people, like the people in like this fake, uh, like mutant state where the show takes place in, they are so freaking awful to them and they're like always like giving them such a hard time. So. Maybe I would appreciate it if the show had started early, earlier so like that people could like, learn not to be intolerant and like sing beautiful songs and listen to Melissa Erico. But I mean, what's not to love about Finian's Rainbow, right? Except for the leprechaun.
1: Was Melissa Erico in the Broadway? Because there was a Broadway version between 2004 and now. Yeah,
2: yeah. but she was not in
0: that she one. She was not. Nope. I don't remember who I was think it was that. Kate Baldwin in that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that one. I saw it's that one good. too. It's not really my cup of tea, to be honest, but I thought it was pretty good.
2: You don't like Leprechauns?
0: That's not my style of music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really loved the movie when I was a kid. Phoebe's Rainbow, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not uh, Leprechaun. Uh, okay. No, God, no, <laughs> uh, no Phoebe's Rainbow, uh, yeah. and those the couple of songs and the and the mute girl who dances. I love that. That's pretty cool.
0: Okay, my last one is the strange undoing of Prudentia Hart which is a production of the National Theatre of Scotland that is coming to the McKittrick Hotel, where Sleep No More is. The hotel has many different uh, venues in it now, and this is coming to the Heath, which is their bar and restaurant. They're transforming it into a Scottish pub, and this will be performed there November 10th through, currently uh, the website has tickets through January 29th, and the tickets are $100, so not a cheap night out. It is a musical about a woman who is an academic. She studies Scottish folk songs, and she comes face to face with the devil, I think via her research and the songs. Um, so it is a bit immersive. I think there's a lot of it's funny you mentioned Natasha Pierre because there's I think there's a lot of the characters intermingling with the audience in the same way they did it, Natasha Pierre. And so this show has been performed literally all over the world. If you go to this uh, the theater, the National Theatre of Scotland's website, you can see a list of everywhere it's been. It's been to Seattle and Texas and all over the UK. And everywhere it goes, people really, really like it. I read reviews from, like, Ben Brantley in London and the British reviews in London and Scotland and also one in Seattle. So, like, it's been everywhere. Everywhere people really like it. This is a production being produced by the National Theatre of Scotland who I have a tremendous amount of trust and respect for their shows. Um, They often have productions at St. Anne's. Their most recent one was uh, Let the Right One In. That was the vampire show. And then they also did Night Watch, or Black Watch, excuse me, um, about these British soldiers in Iraq that was just like a sort of legendary production in the history of St. Anne's that people just adore. And so, oh, they also did Macbeth on Broadway with Alan Cumming. So if you've seen two of those shows, you get the National Theatre the of Scotland's like aesthetic It's a little creepy. So this is a bit of a ghost story, devil story. Um, Very musical. The music is by... I wrote his name down. One moment, please. David Gregg, who did the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that's coming to Broadway
1: I really like David Gregg.
0: Yeah. So I think this is going to be great. Um, There are already some sold-out dates, but there's also still a lot of availability because the run is so long. But if you are interested in that, I would... Act quickly to get your preferred date. I'm very curious about it. It sounds like a lot of fun.
2: Why are all these shows, like, there are shows about the devil and neprechauns and the creepy 1900 houses. Why are they coming during the holidays?
1: <laughs> it's, be- it's because of people like, oh, I don't want to see another holiday show. I don't need to see Christmas Carol. I need to see elves. Bring on the ghosts. <laughs> it's holiday backlash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Although Christmas Carol is also a really creepy show. It is That's true, creepy. and that does have ghosts in it, so yeah, I, really take, I take that back. Yep. Maybe it's that people really like a Christmas Carol, so they're doing more ghosty shows during yeah. the holidays.
1: But I think you're like the only person who finds leprechauns creepy, or would find Finian's rainbow <laughs> creepy. <laughs> it's not a creepy show. I'll try it We'll see. <laughs> Anything else you guys wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, I wanted to bring up Private Manning Goes to Washington by Stan Richardson. The representatives are doing that. Uh, Lindsay and I saw Dead Black Temp that they did uh, what a couple years ago, I think. Um, and I, I've been to a, almost all of their shows. Uh, as a full disclosure, again, I stage managed for them their show Veritas last year, which was a site-specific piece about uh, the trials of gay men at Harvard uh, at the turn of the century that was fantastic. But I really respect the way Stan is able to write plays with such a political immediacy in a way that doesn't feel dated. It always feels very natural the way that he folds in current events and their shows come out with enough time to where it still feels very relevant and very fresh. So Private Manning Goes to Washington is their the representative's imagining of a secret meeting between Chelsea Manning and Barack Obama, hmm. uh, regarding all the whistleblowing that was going on. So they took this play to Edinburgh, the fringe this year and got great reviews. So they're bringing an expanded version back to the U S which will be November 29th through December 12th at, at the studio at three forty five. which I have never been to that space. Um, uh, I'm a but little, it's a
0: theater. It's a theater, a, that's which unique for them, right?
1: Yeah, they they got their start really doing living room plays, which is they would set up a show in someone's house, and you just sat around, and the play sort of happened around you. And sometimes you had a chair, sometimes you were on a couch. One time I sat on top of an air conditioning unit for two <laughs> hours. I sat on top of a toilet once at a show. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's that's what happens. That's real theater, Lindsay. <laughs> I love it. It was right. great, right? And it just—it feels very communal. And they always have a party after every show, which I know they're continuing with this because it used to be the admission for the show was a bottle of wine, and then you just hung out with everybody and drank it afterwards, and it was tons of fun. So while I don't think they're charging a little more than a bottle of wine, I believe the tickets are forty dollars. Um, they do have a party after every show where you can hang out with the cast and the crew and everybody, and it's—it's it's a lot of fun. And I will be the first to admit, I don't understand a lot of the WikiLeaks, whistleblowing, all of that. I've tried to wrap my head around it. It's a little complicated for me. But this show intrigues me, and I know that it will be told in a way that I can understand. <laughs> so I'm excited to see that. Cool.
0: Anything else, Jose?
2: Uh, I want to talk about a show that uh, I've already seen, but I saw it during like one of the first previews, so it might have changed or, or not. I don't know. Uh, but it's Homos or Everyone in America by Labyrinth Theatre Group, uh, and that's running right now, and it closes on November 27th. The show stars Michael um, Uri and Robin de Jesus, and they play a couple, and it's basically about, you know, what they go through. Like, I'm so happy that we're not anymore in that era of, like, you know, like, where them being gay would have been, like, the, the thing, like, the plot twist or whatever, like, no, like, this is not, this is not about, like, there's no, like, Brokeback Mountain tragedies and, like, no one suffers. I'll, I take that back, but I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why in a second. No one, like, really suffers in that, like, old-fashioned, like, 80s, like, 50s, whatever way. It's, like, a really, it's a, it's a beautiful, like, romance and the structure's, like, it's not chronological, so it's, like, very memento, like, like, it goes back and forth. And anyway, I Are just... Are they
0: trying to solve a mystery?
2: uh it's yeah kind of like oh my god i'm gonna sound like like a like a i don't know like a talk show like doctor whatever they're trying to solve an emotional mystery <laughs> <laughs> but uh I wanted to uh, I'll get serious for a second because what i why I wanted to talk about this show was uh six years ago, I was victim of a hate crime, and this show deals with a hate crime, and I don't think I've ever seen any any piece of fiction like whether on film or theater that deals with what victims of hate crimes go through in the way that this showed us and it i I guess this is a trigger warning it might be a very hard show to sit through for people who have been you know victims of like any sort of crime uh but uh yeah i don't I, i won't review the show but yeah i just wanted to put that out there it's a it's a i think it's a show worth uh going
1: to. Uh, Jordan CV wrote it right? Jordan CV. Yeah B. I've yeah. seen other plays of his not recently but a few years back and they were wonderful. He's a really fun storyteller. I like his way of, his way with dialogue is very snappy and
2: interesting. And it's also like a, it, it, it's in a very small space like it's I don't want to call it immersive but I guess it is kind of immersive like it's a very small place and the audience is like sit, I don't know like the sitting arrangement is like really unique but it works because you're, like, right there, like, with them. Like, they're, like, sitting next to you and, and all of that at, at, at points. So, yeah, and tickets are uh, 20 to $40, and it's at the Bank Street, Bank Street Theater.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for bringing that one. Okay, I think that's everything. The end. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Max Muth Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear them. You can find us on Twitter. Maximu is at Maximu. Jose is at Jose Solis Mayen. Liz is at Miss Liz Richards. And I'm at Lindsay Barons. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. We'll be back next week with reviews of shows we've seen. See you then.
2: Theatrical media.